Man, it is good to have you guys here, AU students, uh, Taylor students, Huntington, Ball State, wherever you're from. It is good to have you in this place. Uh, please be sure you communicate to your friends that, yes, the church is open, not just online, but uh, in person, and it's safe, and we're grateful uh, to have you here with us. We're in the middle of a series called The Great Recalibrate. Uh, it's uh, an attempt to, to see how the Word of God from the book of Acts and the first century church applies to the world in which we're living, where everything right now is being recalibrated, where we're doing things in totally different ways than any of us have ever thought. I mean, could anybody in their wildest dreams ever think that college freshmen would be coming into university with a mask? Uh, and like half virtual classes, and my, uh, my oldest son's a professor at Olivet Nazarene University. They've been in class for a couple of years, or a couple of years, a couple of weeks uh, now, and uh, he came home uh, this weekend, and we were talking last night, and I'm like, so uh, what's it like? He's like, different, okay, a uh, little, little different, but, uh, but again, we're all recalibrating. We're finding our way through. And as we're walking through uh, some chapters in the book of Acts in the first century church, it, it dawned on me that there are some times in the recalibration when, when God works with us and He, and he takes us and, and He's doing one piece and one piece and one piece. And then there are some times when He's just like all the pieces, okay? He's just going to like take all the stuff in our life. And, and I was trying to think about what that feels like for us and, and how, how in the world can we have enough faith in God to, to understand that He's really got this, that He's really not surprised by it, and that, and that He can walk us through it. I mean, I know it's one thing to, to, to know that theologically. It's one thing to, to believe that, but, but to experience that. And I begin to remember a, a story out of my life. See, I, have, I have some cousins who are much more gifted than I am mechanically. Uh, they're twins. Their names are Ricky and Randy. They were my heroes growing up uh, because they could work on cars, and they loved Ford cars. And they loved Ford Mustangs, and they, they drove Ford Mustangs. Now, they were older than me, just a couple of years or so. And, and so when they drove their Ford Mustangs and they let their little cousin ride in the car with them, um, I, I learned a couple of things. First of all, girls like fast cars. I figured that out as a teenage boy. Uh, that, was, that was interesting. The second thing was girls like the boys who drive them, not the guys sitting in the back seat with them, all right? Uh, and, 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 you know, it's like, oh, okay, you, you know, they're my cousins. Well, yeah, you know. so, and, and, uh, and one of the days that I remember vividly was when, uh, when my cousin Randy uh, was driving his car and he blew out the engine. Now, if I blow out the engine in a car, then I'm finding a mechanic. But Randy, when he blew out the engine in his car, he just called a tow truck and had the tow truck tow the car to my house, where he then put that, the car in our carport in Mississippi. Uh, up here, we, uh, you don't, I don't know, you've got garages, but where I grew up, there were, there were carports. It was just a covering over it. And, and there he began to take the engine apart under the covering of the carport. The problem was there was no concrete floor or asphalt floor. It was a gravel floor. I mean, this is Mississippi, right? And so, so in, in that setting, he's taking apart the engine to his 1972 Ford Mustang Mach 1. That's a big engine, and that's a great car. 
And, and he's taking apart piece by piece by piece. And I walk out the door and I look and there are all these pieces laying on the ground. And I'm like, Randy, do you know which piece is which piece? Carrie, I know exactly where every piece is. I said, Randy, doesn't it hurt it to put it in the dirt and the gravel down there? He says, I'm, I'm cleaning it all off before I got. And so he, 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 quite honestly, he tore the engine apart and put it back together in four days. Just, that's all he did. He just took it apart, put it back together. And, and so then there was that moment when he was getting ready to start the car. And Randy looked over at me, his younger cousin, he said, Carrie, just a minute, before I do this, I, 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 I'm not as close to Jesus as you are. Would you, would, would you pray for my car? And I'm like, what? He goes, I, I said, what do you want me to pray? Pray I got all the parts out of the gravel. I'm like, okay, Randy, all right, here, we, we got this, all right. And so I'm like, Lord, please make sure. And I, I do this little prayer. And Randy looks and says, okay, you ready? Yeah, ready. And he turns, and I mean that engine just, whoo, and it, it was powerful, and it just cranked up. And I'm like, yes, we did it. And as I got to thinking about 2020, as I got to thinking about what we're walking through, I, I, I rem, I, that's what it feels like. That's what this recalibrate feels like. It feels like the fact that everything's been scattered in this messy place, in the gravel, and all the little pieces of our lives, and all the stuff that we've held dear, and, and it's all just right there in front of us, and, and God, is, God knows every bit of it. And some of us are working really hard to try and piece it together and to find a way when, when God has already recalibrated. God has already put the pieces together. And there's this moment coming. It may not be here quite yet for you, or it may be here for you. That moment when, when you think, all right, God's put the pieces back together, and now, now it's time to see if this life works, see if, see if this works for us. And, and you're just about ready to turn the key. And this morning, whether your life is all scattered in the gravel or whether it's all put back together, I want you to hear, I want you to hear what God does to put lives back together. I want you to, to see how in the very first century church, God took those disciples, those, those men and women who were his followers, the ones who had been at the day of Pentecost, the ones who had been facing the adversity of the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, the ones who were learning what it meant to be the body of Christ. And, and in, the midst of their, in the midst of their recalibration, he shows us some things he does in every recalibration. So that whether your life is in the gravel or whether everything's put back together, you can find, we can find together these places where God is going to recalibrate. Because here's what I know. I know for a fact that God never leaves us. I know for a fact He'll never abandon us. And when everything around us is shifting and changing, He doesn't. But what He does do is He works with us. Listen to the story from Acts chapter 6. I'm going to start reading at verse 1 so that you can pick up the story. Now, in these days... When the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve apostles summoned the full number of the disciples, which by the way, by this time is well over 10,000 people, okay? So they summoned this gathering of, of the people and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve the tables of the widows. 
Therefore, brothers and sisters, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, that's reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom. That's the Holy Spirit, not just energy. And that's God's wisdom, not just information. Whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now, this moment, this moment when the Hellenists came to the apostles with their complaints about the Hebrews, is that moment that Randy had when he was getting ready to start the engine. Because God has been recalibrating the first century church. He's been doing that. Jesus has has told the disciples, stay in Jerusalem until you're filled with my spirit. They stayed. He's told them, look, when you're filled with my spirit, I want you to share what you experience with everybody else. They've been sharing. When they've come against opposition, their, their, their lives have been changed by Jesus so much that in the face of the most powerful people in their world, they stood up and said, you know what? We're going to listen to God, not to you. And when they prayed, the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them in such a way that, that the room in which they were meeting actually shook. Because these people were being recalibrated. They were being recalibrated to become servants of Jesus Christ. Servants of God. Because here's what, here's what we've got to remember. In a world that's seeking power, in a world that's seeking prestige, in a world that's seeking all sorts of accolades, Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost, but he came to do it as a servant. Do you remember the stories? Do you remember the times where, where Jesus said to them, look, I didn't come here to be served, I came to serve. And when he said to them things like, hey, you argue among yourselves about who is the greatest, but I'm just telling you whoever is the least of these has the greatest place in heaven. Or that night before he was crucified, when the disciples gathered in the the upper room and and they forgot to to get a servant to wash their feet as they came in, because that was a servant's role, and Jesus, their master, their teacher, their rabbi, Jesus went over and took the basin and towel and he walked around and started washing their feet? No, no, Jesus, Jesus was recalibrating life, and he was trying to build a kingdom of servants. But as he's building a kingdom of servants, he's got to recalibrate those servants. And for the early church, this moment, this moment right here that I just read for you, that's the moment when they were trying to figure out, will this all work? Because these 12 apostles have been teaching, and they've been doing everything that God asked them to do. They've been healing. There have been miracles taking place. They've defied all types of authorities in order to be loyal to God. And now, now as they're doing that, in the midst of that, suddenly, for the first time, there's division. There's, there's differences. And, and, and see, there's, there's something we need to recognize. Sometimes in the life of the church, we, we get this misconception 
that the church is always full of unity, and the church is always full of uniformity, and everybody's liking everything, and, and that's never been the case. See, the church has never, ever, from its earliest days, been made up of just one kind of people. The church, from its earliest days, has never been made up of people who all looked alike and talked alike. In fact, this story lets us know that from the very beginnings, there have been people of diverse backgrounds involved in the life of the church. There is diversity in the kingdom of God. But can I tell you what this passage also lets us know? It lets us know that there is room for diversity without division. That you can have diversity without, without your differences splitting you apart. Because God is at work recalibrating. And He's been recalibrating these people, and He's recalibrating us. And right now, in a global pandemic, that's exactly what's happening to the life of the church. It's exactly what's happening to the life of educational institutions. It's exactly what's happening to the life of culture all around us, not just in central Indiana, not just in the United States, but around the world. People are being recalibrated into recalibrated servants of God. And the process is the one we've been looking at for the last several weeks. It's the process where, where Jesus is at work through the Holy Spirit, and He's recalibrating each one of us. In this story in the first century, it's between the Hellenist and the Hebrews. Now, if you don't know the story, you got to pick it up at the day of Pentecost. Remember that day? There were 120 disciples, most of them from kind of the same backgrounds, kind of these rural country places. They were fishermen, and, and they were from places like Nazareth and Galilee and Bethsaida, and, and they're in Jerusalem for the Passover, and Jerusalem is packed with people from all over the world, with Jewish people from all over the world. And in the midst of that, these, these rural kind of uh, people who were the followers of this carpenter from Nazareth who had been crucified and resurrected are in an upper room doing exactly what he told them to do. They're waiting. And then you remember when the Spirit of God fell upon them, they began to proclaim the goodness, the kingdom, the story, the gospel, the good news of Jesus in languages they had never learned. They'd never been to school to learn those languages. They didn't have friends who taught them. They, they couldn't buy an app to learn to speak that. No. Suddenly, they're speaking in a language they've never heard before. And get this, there are people who only speak that language in Jerusalem. And when they spilled out into the streets proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in languages they had never learned, there were people waiting in the streets to hear the good news, to hear the gospel in their own language, and they were amazed. These, these guys are, I mean, you can almost kind of hear, you know, these country bumpkins, they don't know our language, but they're speaking our language, and we're hearing it. From the beginning, the church was diverse, but now this diversity is beginning to bring a problem because, you see, the Hebrews, by and large, were people who kept themselves pure in their religious system, and they kept themselves pure in their heritage, and, and so they spoke Aramaic and Hebrew primarily. Very few of them spoke Greek, but the Hellenists, 
Now, the Hellenists were people who were children of Abraham as well. They, they had the same lineage. They had the same biological DNA. They had, they had the same background uh, ethnically as, as the Hebrews, but, but they, they were from cities around the world, places like Antioch, other places around the world that they had been. And they had gathered in Jerusalem, and they brought a more urban feel to what was happening, and had brought a more diverse background, and, and, and yet they had heard the gospel, and they had accepted Christ, and, and they had been recalibrated in their hearts. And because they had been recalibrated in their hearts, when the problem came, then, then they were willing to go and talk to the Hebrews. See, don't, don't, notice, they didn't tweet about it. Notice, they, they didn't put a white paper together about it. No, no, nobody, nobody made a proclamation about it. No, no, they, they had a conversation. And by the way, conversation is more than your comment, my comment, your comment, my comment on social media. A, a conversation is in the presence of a person. And what they did was they, they went to the apostles and they said, hey, look, we got a problem. You see, the widows who, who only speak Greek, who don't speak Hebrew, are being neglected by the, the people who are serving who only speak Hebrew and don't speak Greek. And so because of this diversity, these women are being neglected. There's no intent. There's no, there's no sense of somebody trying to be mean to somebody or be better than somebody. It's, it's just simply that there's a problem going on here, and we, we need you guys to fix that because we're all in this family together. We're all in this kingdom together, and our hearts have been recalibrated. And so we need to know uh, how, how are we going to deal with that. It's, it, it's important to deal with those things. Because the reason that this was an issue is that in the Jewish temple in, Jeru in Jerusalem or in the synagogue in a small Jewish village there in Israel, the, the offerings of the people and the work of the priest was to take care of the widows in the community. But when these widows in Jerusalem accepted Jesus, when their heart was recalibrated and they became followers of Jesus, now suddenly they were no longer a part of the temple uh, distribution of food because now their loyalty was somewhere else and there were, there were people who were not feeding them. And so what happened? That's why the church began to care for people. See, recalibrated service, recalibrated servants of God began being recalibrated when their heart has changed. Look at the Scripture again from Acts 6. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because the Hellenist widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve apostles summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve the tables. Now, now here's where the wisdom comes in. Because in this recalibration, as, as God's Spirit is moving in these 12 men, they begin, to, they begin to say, you know what? This is a problem. We get it. But we're going to make sure that it gets fixed. Because what we've been called to do is we've been called to pray, and we've been called to lead the people in prayer, and we've been called to teach, and we've been, we've been called to share the gospel, and, and we want others to join in with that with us. And so what begins as a recalibration of hearts ends up, ends up being a recalibration of integrity. 
Because now it becomes a, a matter of, of your life being given to taking care of others, not because, so that people can see how great you are, not so that people can figure out all the stuff that you do, not so you can promote it somewhere and say, hey, look what we did. No, it's because this is what Jesus did when he washed feet. This is what Jesus meant when he said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. It's not so that we can build enterprises around Christian concepts. It's so that we can be the body of Christ, diverse in our nature, but committed and recalibrated, placed together by God. And so what happens is when that starts taking place inside our lives, when that starts taking place inside these people, then God begins to recalibrate, not just our hearts, but our integrity. And, and the apostles are now about to put this to the test because they've been seeing this happen, but now, now it's not just against the Sanhedrin. It's not just against the powers of darkness. Now, now it's about the body of Christ. And so what they do is they, they look at them and say, okay, brothers, and by the way, ladies, it's a cultural issue, I'm sure. They, they actually would have said brothers and sisters, and if they were doing it today, they would say pick seven people, all right? But this is the language, Okay. Therefore, brothers and sisters, pick out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and full of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Now, here's the part. I've read this passage for years and missed this part. Do you see who they told to do it? The Hellenists are the ones who brought the problem to their attention. The Hellenists are the ones whose widows are being overlooked in the distribution. And so what do they do with their recalibrated hearts and their recalibrated integrity? They say, look, you, you can take and you choose from among the Hellenists. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? I'm going to tell you in just a minute. That you, you, you pick from among the Hellenists. You pick seven men who have a good reputation. They're trusted by these people. Their hearts have been recalibrated. Their integrity is above reproach. It's marking their life in the presence of Christ. And as they're doing that, then, then we, want you to, we want you to give them this job. You pick them, we'll appoint them, and they will, they will meet the need because they are recalibrated servants. And so what happens is that they pick the seven men. And when they do, they bring those seven men into their presence. And those seven men are now representative of something very, very important. They're representative of hope. They're representative of a, of a recalibrated way of looking at life. Uh, for those of you who've been with us online or on campus the last few weeks, I, a couple of weeks ago I shared with you I had to apologize because I forgot something that's very important to me. In the midst of COVID, in the midst of all the decision-making and all that kind of stuff, I, I forgot something. I forgot something I learned as a, as a doctoral student at Emory University years and years ago from Dr. Kenan Callahan. It's a simple thing. I've shared it all over the country and all over the world, wherever I've been given an opportunity, but I forgot because of COVID. I forgot that hope is stronger than memories. Memories are strong, but hope is always stronger. I forgot that, that, that God is always a God of hope, and God is always bringing us into a new place, and He's always recalibrating our hearts, and He's always recalibrating our integrity, and He's always recalibrating and sustaining us with hope. But the church didn't forget. No, the Hellenists went, and they picked seven, seven from among them, 
As I told you, there were these seven men, they were all Greek men who were also Jewish. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Look, look at the Scripture. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Not a Hebrew name in the bunch. Not a Hebrew name in the bunch. Every one of those names is a Greek name. The Hellenists recognized a problem. They brought it to the apostles. They, they didn't divide the body of Christ. They simply said, you know what? In this recalibrated state we're living in where God is doing something new, there's diversity among us. And sometimes the diversity, the diversity can cause us not to understand each other. Oh, my friends, do you not hear that? Do you not hear in the wake of a Democratic convention and a Republican convention, in the wake of another march on Washington, in the wake of the un, unfathomable violence and shooting of innocent people and guilty people. Do you not understand? Do we not grasp that recalibrated servants aren't polarizing agents in a culture. Recalibrated servants are unifying agents in a culture. And we don't just simply proclaim things. We have conversations with people. We don't expect everybody to agree with us. We love those who despitefully use us. Jesus was very clear. Even the Pharisees and Sadducees love those who love them. But I'm asking you to love those who are your enemies. Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I can't love you. And just because I love you doesn't mean I can't disagree with you. That was one of the earliest things my sons had to learn. Any parent has had to find that expression. I, pr I promise you, if you're a parent, you're going to disagree with your kid at some point in time. I think in your children's eyes, they're always right. In your eyes, you're always right. Pray for your spouse. Here's what I know. I know that when the Hellenists and the Hebrews came together in conversation with recalibrated hearts, marked by recalibrated integrity, sustained by recalibrated hope, God gave them wisdom. God gave them an understanding. God, God did something great in them so that they could do something great in the world. And what I want you to know is that God wants to do something great in you. Because when you get those kind of things recalibrated, then recalibrated service submits to recalibrated authority. Because did, did you hear the rest of the story when I read it? Listen. These seven, they sat before the apostles, and the apostles prayed and laid their hands on them. What the apostles did was they empowered them. The, the, the apostles set them right there, and they laid their hands on them, and they prayed for them, and they said, you know what? You seven, you seven are, re are chosen by God to do this ministry. See, recalibrated servants submit to recalibrated authority, and then God uses them to do the most amazing things. God impacts the world through recalibrated servants. God, God changes the world. In fact, this story, there's just 
the very last verse that I read, it tells you how far that impact can reach. When you get discouraged, when you get in despair, when you get in depression over what we're living through right now, I want you to remember this, this image, this story out of the book of Acts. It's just one sentence, but look at it. It's just, it's, it's huge. And the Word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? The priest, exactly that, the Levitical priesthood, the family in Israel who was responsible for the running of the temple, the same lineage as the people in the Sanhedrin, the same lineage as the people who were the ones who crucified Jesus. That was not just those people. It was a large, large contingency of the people in Israel and the priestly family. What happened is when recalibrated servants start impacting the world with recalibrated hearts and recalibrated integrity and recalibrated hope and recalibrated submission to the authority of God in their life, then suddenly even the priest of the Levitical priesthood who would lose all their power and all their prestige and all their acclimates, they would lose all of that by following Jesus, began to follow Jesus. Because recalibrated servants are better at sharing the love of God than people of power and position and prestige. And that's exactly why Luke makes sure we see this story. It's exactly why there are those moments in our life. And, and what I believe is that, is that God is in one of those moments, and we're in one of those moments right now. One of those moments where we well, we're just about to turn the key and we're just about to say, hey God, here I am. Use me.